Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's a beautiful day out there. Uh, it's not a bad day on the markets either. We're still above 2,700 points. A little bit of uh, a correction from that 28 <laughs> that we were all celebrating, but I'll take 27. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, uh, let's take a look at how the markets are doing. As you mentioned a while ago, we're actually closer to 2,800 than we thought. It's just that uh, markets seem to be having a little bit of a difficult time. It's midweek. Breaching this. It's hump day. But uh, again, maybe focus on the fact that we've come this far. Six straight days of gains pushed us all the way up from 2,400 territory to, to striking distance of 2,800. And over the last uh, two trading days there, we've breached that level about twice and just come back down to earth. In fact, today we are in the red, but it's only down, we're only down by about two points. So again, this is, not a, uh, this is not a meltdown by any shape of the matter, by any shape or form. Um, and it's just, a putting a, uh, just, just reminding uh, markets that that impressive start to the month of June, that six-day winning streak is now behind us. But still, what an impressive winning streak where we saw markets and stocks actually rise by about 200, close to 300 points. Um, the STI at 2,792 today. And if you compare this to the Around the same time last month, I think a lot of folks would take this level as compared to, say, 30 days ago. 717 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. 218 stocks, REITs and trusts in the green. 167 in the red today. Um, and the rest of the region, you know, there, it's, it's a bit more mixed. Um, but there are no uh, there are no uh, huge uh, uh, pullbacks, at least for markets. You've got the Nikkei 225 looking a bit flat, but up by about 13 points today. The ASX 200 also trading about 19 points in the green. That's 0.3 percent higher. The Korean be a bit sheepish. They're they're just trading about one point higher today. So it seems like they're taking it easy. Um, markets in mainland China also a bit mixed. The Shanghai comps it down by about half a percent. That's probably the biggest. Uh, Intraday loss we're seeing in the in the region right now. The Shenzhen Bourse uh, trading about 16 points higher, and the Hang Seng holding on. It's very impressive to see that they 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 might be on track to make it eight straight days of wins. Uh, out in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng is trading about 100 points higher. But again, this is not. It's a, it's a it's a it's a fairly modest gain for the Hang Seng. And there's just a little bit of soul searching, I think, for markets at the moment that really um, took off since the start of the month on the hopes that the gradual easing of these lockdowns, circuit breaker measures here in Singapore. Um, will lead to a quicker recovery for the for the global economy, and also that uh, that, that that all the stimulus will actually help uh, help us stead the ship and actually lead to a quicker recovery, as we mentioned. Um, there are a couple of reasons why markets might be taking a pause today, and that's because later on tonight, or about 2 a.m. Singapore time, the Federal Reserve will be making their policy decision. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really expecting the Fed to do anything. They're probably going to keep rates at that particular level, and a lot of, uh, and a lot of economists and analysts don't expect the Fed to be moving from this either up, either through rate hikes or rate cuts for the next year and a half or so. Um, because they're so low and uh, uh, because they're so low at the moment and the Federal Reserve, the FOMC, has said that they're ruling out any move into negative rate territory. But they will be looking for any comments, any updates from Fed Chair Jerome Powell and his committee about uh, what the economic outlook will look like, whether they're going to um, moderate or even add to this massive stimulus that they that they unleashed. In fact, just the other day, they also um, increased or expanded their support for the, for their Main Street program, which is meant to support American businesses. The minimum 
loan that you can you can take out now from this Main Street program has been reduced from half a million dollars to two hundred fifty thousand. So they're trying to accommodate all uh, even the smaller, e- even more even more businesses that are that are considered small and trying to provide them support. Um, this is going to be, I think, on the forefront of uh, many investors' minds over the next 24 hours. I think the other thing that's also keeping folks a little or making folks just question themselves today and just take stock of the recent rally also is that we've seen a lot of froth in the markets. We've, pretty, we've actually seen the S&P 500 wipe out intraday, intra, uh, the year-to-date losses that we've seen. Mm-hmm. They're back to those levels we saw in late February. Um, and now the question is, well, how much further can we take this? Is this time to actually come back? Should the profit, ta- the profit takers are probably asking themselves, is this time to nibble at this? And also, there's, a, there's also signs that there's a lot of retail investors starting to rush back into the markets and making bets. In fact, Bloomberg had this interesting article today that noted that a lot of these uh, retail investors in the U.S. are starting to go towards insolvent stocks like Hertz, for instance, which uh, rose significantly at the start of this week, despite the fact that they're facing a bankruptcy proceeding at the moment and facing a lot of insolvency pressures. It seems that there's a, there's a sign that maybe all this liquidity and all of this pent-up investing energy is starting to go to any kind of stock, including some of these stocks. That are questionable. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see this kind of rush, it does make you sit back and go, "Wait a minute! Wait a second! Um, have the markets taken this a little bit too far?" And maybe that's why you're seeing a little bit of soul searching at the moment. But again, nobody's really rushing for the exits at the moment. The Straits Times Index, as we mentioned here, down, but just by about one and a half points. So two thousand seven hundred ninety-two. Um, perhaps just a, a sign that investors here, this hump, they're choosing just take it easy today and keep the level at least. But Definitely, 2,800 seems to be the new a moment of truth, if, for lack of a better term, for markets here. And, and I think this is the question people are, maybe investors collectively are asking themselves. Is it fair to take it, uh, take it past this level or should we take a pause here and try to take stock of what's next in terms of headwinds and possible opportunities? Well, I think all eyes are also going to be on New Zealand for the next few days. They've just said, you know, we're clear of the virus. We're going to open up completely. What does that mean for their economic recovery? How quickly they do it is actually going to be quite inspiring to the rest of us in the region. And not just how inspiring, but I think it'll also provide folks a blueprint of how to handle yourselves. Now, now New Zealand basically said that they have... uh, they have brought down active cases to zero. Mm-hmm. They have decided to redu- to eliminate all social restrictions. I believe uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said that she did a little bit of a dance when yep. she saw the numbers. I can imagine the dance. Right, and <laughs> uh, and the and after that, earlier this week, actually, the New Zealand uh, the NZX or the New Zealand Fifty Index out in Wellington actually also uh, also made back all losses. That they made this year, but we're seeing just a little bit of profit taking there as well. Current, uh, currently, they might be in for two straight days of law of uh, in the red. They they did close today, about eighteen points uh, lower. Mm-hmm. So just also, there might be a little bit of soul searching for markets out in New Zealand as well to ask themselves, well, what's next and how do we gauge this possible economic recovery? But I think the message, at least from uh, Prime Minister Ardern, was that. The sooner we can get things, uh, get this virus under control, the sooner and faster we can focus on a possible economic recovery. But we're yep. going to need this to take some time. It's like a stew. You've got to let it bubble and boil <laughs> on the stove, right? Um, and, and a lot of folks will be watching this closely, not just for how quickly New Zealand can recover, but also if there are any lessons we can learn and how to handle getting out of the COVID-19 pandemic if and when we actually get this under control, including here in Singapore. Yeah, no, we're definitely going to be keeping our eyes on her. Now, this actually did not make me feel good, this piece Mm. of news that affects Challenger, because I have to admit, I have been a customer of Challenger since I was a kid. This is kind of like, uh, you know, one of the places that we all used to go to save our money up and go to when we were still in high school. Right. 
So, you know, the the challenges that challenger. The challenges the challenger is facing, right? Is facing right now. It's just, you know, it's it's taking an impact on my on my teenhood, right? And uh, and uh, but you know, no no big surprises to That's see true. that they are one of the many many firms that are continuing to face a lot of headwinds and a lot of uh, pressures because of the COVID nineteen pandemic and also because of the reduction in foot traffic, consumer demand. But what's interesting is that Challenger Technology said this that despite the fact that they saw a substantial spike in online orders during the circuit breaker period. This has not been able to offset the impact from the closure of their physical stores. So that's always been the question, I think, for retailers at the moment. If we're shifting towards a more of an online online model, because we have no choice, nobody's coming to the stores, we'll have to conduct all our sales online. How quickly can we do this? And will this be more than enough to offset... any uh, any lost foot traffic, any lost physical mm-hmm. buying from customers coming to the stores, and it seems in Challenger Technologies' case, that's a no. Um, they have seen that uh, that uh, online uh, online buying and online purchases of their products, their electronics, has actually shot up. But they say that uncontrollable factors and unforeseen circumstances like COVID nineteen have actually uh, have actually meant that their overall sales from their physical from their physical stores has pulled this down, and they're actually expecting a a fairly uh, disappointing first half report card when they released those numbers for the first six months of, uh, of the year. And uh, they, they did highlight, though, that they, these uncontrollable factors and unforeseen circumstances will require them to contain to maintain a strong balance sheet and reserves to survive uh, to survive and also remain responsible to the company's stakeholders. Keep in mind, though, the challenger isn't the only one that's expecting a bad first half. Earlier today, Procuri, which is a data services uh, group, has said that they're expecting a substantially weaker performance for the first half of the year. Markets continue to face forward and are focusing at least on an economic recovery and betting that's going to happen sooner rather than later, especially when we saw, based on what we saw last week with that excellent rally that, mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. that six-day winning streak that we saw at the start of June for the STI. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the first six months and maybe the first three quarters of this year are probably going to hurt. They're probably going to be bad. And, uh, and, uh, w- and the question is, can these companies actually maintain a, a solid footing to try and weather the storm and try to get, back, get, to that, get to a place where they can actually focus on a recovery, similar to what New Zealand is doing right now, right? right. They're trying to focus on the economic recovery. But first things first, you've got to get through that storm. And I think this is what's facing the likes of Procuri and also Challenger. They're challenged. They're all very challenged. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my bank balance. You know, yesterday we started talking about Cathay Pacific and that government bailout. Uh, it looks like that just an- announcing it was enough to send their shares into some really nice territory for them. Well, you know, I, I, brought, I bring this up because... Um, this was very interesting that they saw the shares actually jump up by almost 19% at the open. But guess what? After that strong start, we've actually seen Cathay Pacific come down, come back down to earth. And mm-hmm. this was a very short flight up for them, actually. Oh, really? It, from nine, and, and they're still in the green. But it was now, a puddle jumper? It was a bit of a puddle jumper, but uh, they're not, it's not like they've wiped things out and have plunged again. Um, Cathay Pacific is actually still up by about 1.7%. But when you compare that to their very strong start today, that's, that's, that's not even 10% of where they were when markets reopened out in, Hong, out in Hong Kong. Now, Cathay Pacific today has also said that they are preparing or they are pledging that they will pay back the Hong Kong government for their loan in the next three to five years. And they're trying to right the ship and they are confident that with this accept with this uh 
um, a support package, at least extended by the Hong Kong government, which is the first time that Hong Kong has directly invested in a private in a company in the private sector mm-hmm. to try and bail them out. They're confident they can pay them back in three to five years. And ho- the Hong Kong government, at least Financial Secretary Paul Chan. has told uh, um, investors and also the public that they do not plan to hold on to Cathay Pacific's, uh, their stake in Cathay Pacific. As part of the deal, they now have a 6% stake in Cathay Pacific. Mm. They don't plan to hold on to that because they don't see themselves as being, not being as, as the prime focus or, the, uh, or, or, or a, prime, a priority, at least, for the Hong Kong government. They, they do believe that they need to return this back. But you know, having that 6% stake means that also you can at least over... over you, can, you, can, you, have, you, have a, you have a closer peek or you have the authority to take a closer look at this company that you're billing out and making sure that they're on track. And if that does happen, they can probably let go of that 6% stake later on. That has been a question that a lot of of businesses from way back when uh, President Obama bailed out the uh, auto industry in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't the government then take an actual stake in those companies and at least have a seat at the board table so they know what's going on? They they do represent taxpayer dollars after all. Mm -hmm. And that's where those bailouts are coming from. It's, it's a reasonable question. It'll be interesting to see yeah. what uh, will happen with um, the Hong Kong I, I, government's right. seat at the table. I think uh, this is a question of uh, short-term versus long-term, right? Mm-hmm. So in the short-term, you've got to make sure that this company can write the ship. And also, let's face it, as a government, that's also taxpayer money. So you, it, 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 it does make sense for you to hold a seat at the board, to hold some of these shares, to have... Not necessarily, uh, not necessarily direct or call the shots, but at least be able to say, "Hey, what's going on?" or, ha- or be able to pe- to pipe up every so often, and go like, "Wait, to know what's when going you on?" Have to ask what's going right. on. But at the but again, I think I think uh, long term is this what government should be doing? Is should government be owning private uh, companies or actually letting the private sector run themselves in the long term? So is uh, is it in the interest of governments to hold such huge stakes in these companies? Or should they actually, in the long term, once everything is all right, fine and dandy, to just let them go and and run things uh, independently as a private well, space? Well, as soon as that debt is repaid, then the, yeah, you know, the, the so government again, stake can go away. Yeah, so right? I think I think it's two questions, right? Uh, they, I, I get, you know, on one hand, you should be, or you should be on the board, perhaps while you are owed money or while you have a loan outstanding. But once that's been paid off, what is the course moving forward? I think that's what Financial Secretary Paul Chan was trying to say mm-hmm. that. Okay, and we're not planning to hold this all for the long term. We're just here for the. We're just holding on to this until they actually pay back their debts. It's not exactly what the focus of Hong Kong is, because as we've seen over the it last couple of be days, the focus of any government. Yeah. but as long as as uh, taxpayer monies are tied up, there's, into then it's ra- that it, there, there, there's a reason, and it's, yeah. it's a, it's a re- there's a reason. It's reasonable to see some uh, government at least hold on to a to a slight stake, but mm-hmm. and also puts a. puts the impetus also on these uh, on these managers to try and get themselves out of the hole because uh, it's also because you it, don't want the government looking over your shoulder probably not probably not <laughs> I mean uh, probably not no matter how how trustworthy because, you, are, you, you know, kind they, of want to have free reign over how you run your company right and 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 you know part of the government is the Uh, the people at the tax department. Exactly, it's it's the <laughs> taxman and the, and and any regulators and making sure that you do, you're not a foul of them either commercially or criminally. Right. <laughs> okay. This has been Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined every day by JP Ong. Just saying that next week JP Ong is going to basically be driving it with uh, Timothy Go. Mm-hmm. Actually, for the next two weeks. That's right. While I, you know, learn how to bake. Ah. <laughs> 
This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.